Good morning. Take a deep breath in. Breathe in light and compassion energy for your entire body. And breathe back out the light. Spread it in the room around you so it can lift and illuminate the energy. If you have a plant or a cat, look at it and say, good morning. <laughs> and let it breathe and say good morning back to you. And just let the, the day begin and the day be launched from this place. And with that said, good morning. Good, good morning. morning, Star Child. Good morning, good morning. listeners. <laughs> Welcome Happy to July 5th. Yeah, right. July 5th. Welcome to Insensical with Star Child and Riri. I am Riri. Revive and I'm Star Child. Revise. Restart. <laughs> That's the thing I'm going to start doing. I'm going to start saying all kinds of re words to describe my state every morning because it's easy to do. There's always a uh, a way to reinvent yourself. Oh, zing, zing. The thing? I said zing. Okay. Well, oh, maybe. zing. Okay. Maybe it <laughs> wasn't that good of a reinvention, but anyways. Good morning. Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> How are things going? It's been a struggle bus this morning, but we got it. We're on it. Yeah, we got it. On air. Nothing can stop us now. Back to bring you that. That good content you turn in, you tune in for. I talk about things that are worth thinking about, things that um, matter to us. What's going on with you, Riri? What's what are some things that are just on your mind? Well, I don't know. I've been going through a lot lately. I can talk about this morning and last night. Um, it was a full moon last night. I don't know. If I you know. Got to see that wasn't it was that great? So beautiful. Yes. And my husband and I stood outside and looked up at the moon and the planets that were also right next to the moon. Very, very mm -hmm. bright. And we looked at the stars. And Was it Venus? I or... think it was. Well, I went on a walk a couple of days ago. Yeah. It was really early in the morning. And the moon wasn't up, but it was still dark. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> I saw four planets. I think. I'm no astrologer. No, is that is it? I'm no astronomist. I, astronomer. <laughs> I, well, I might be an astronomer. I'm, I, but I haven't. Um, I don't know if these are what planets or what they are. But like, I have a rule of thumb that I learned at Girl Scout camp that if the light doesn't shimmer, it's a planet. But if it like twinkles, you know, like a little star, then it's a star. And so when I was on my walk, I saw four super bright really really big lights and one of them was really red so i'm thinking it was venus mars jupiter and saturn if that's possible i'm gonna have well, to get if our listeners out there are astronomers and know this or i could put, i probably google it but it's nice according to the the internet um, yeah. it was jupiter and saturn jupiter and saturn but then i saw a really red red light and it was definitely a star or a planet <clears throat> because um it stayed up like it didn't move it didn't twinkle either it just stayed up even as the sun was coming up i could still see it like in the early morning blue yeah. and it was cool i was like oh wow this is like some powerful constellation you know our planet alignment going on right now it, it was um actually that's what this is saying that it was almost like um, a buck moon lunar eclipse Ooh. where jupiter and saturn were kind of in the way. Mm -hmm. Whoa, I didn't even know this. How do we not know this? I don't know. I need to get up on my like astrological <clears throat> moon lunar phases. I have a calendar. It's like a witchy calendar that has all this <laughs> stuff on there, but I never read it because it's like, you know, reading Greek to me. It's like all these little symbols. And I'm like, the calendar's not well designed. If it should, if, I mean, maybe it's for a more experienced practitioner than myself, but like all of these symbols i don't know it should just be more clear like write it out in words i don't need to see like saturn you know like the little 
sigil for like Saturn, Venus, Jupiter, Mars, and then like all these little numbers that are talking about like times and dates. It should just be more clear about what it is, but I should have known about this. I definitely should know. I need to be a better, I need to be a better witch. I need to work on that because (laughs) just having crystals isn't good enough. I need to work with the the energies because it was definitely moving me last night. I felt a lot of energy. There's a lot of stuff going on in the world, and I definitely have feeling ups and downs a lot more, like emotionally, than I have been in the past. And this um, this last night, I like had to get out and dance. I bought a new set of Glowpoy, technically for my child. <laughs> I bought it from a toy store. Like, yeah, this is for you. But you I might want to explain to people what Glowpoy are. Oh, poi. Glowpoi are, so poi are the traditional Hawaiian, like, dancing um, instruments where you have, like, a ball of Kevlar and you light them on fire. Ball of Kevlar attached to, like, a string or a chain and you light it on fire and you spin it around when you dance. And that instrument, that technique has been converted and updated to the modern age with like led lights inside these little soft plastic balls connected to just regular string and a lot Mm -hmm. of people at like festivals and raves it was really popular in raves in like the late 90s early 2000s when i started going to like festivals and outdoor parties that's where i picked it up from and then i actually did the most i learned the most about poi um when i lived in dallas with you and I had a group of dancer friends who had, um, <laughs> had a drum circle regularly in some cool warehouse in Texas. And this is my favorite thing about Texas. Like, this is what I loved about Texas. It's just, like, that kind of stuff happened spontaneously or, like, regularly but spontaneously. Like, someone knew where this, like, cool bar was that was, like, all metal, pentina, big open space. And then, like, but it was totally dead or it was in, like, some kind of artsy neighborhood. And they'd be like, yeah, let's just have a drum circle. And like the most amazing, talented people would come out and do fire dancing and play the drums and spin poi and like all these other things. It was so cool. It was called a burner circle. And I was like, man, this is so rad. It's so hard to find (laughs) cool things like this. Dallas was actually quite more metropolitan than my hometown ever was. So yeah, Dallas was lit. Yeah, Dallas was lit. Isn't Erica Badu from Dallas? I see, girl. I don't know mm-hmm. if she's from there, but she lives there. She, I mean, I see why, because that place is lit. But yeah, <laughs> so I was out there last night, reliving the past, you know, or at least getting my joy, like, back from from that dancing that I used to do a lot more when I was not a mother of two. <laughs> you know, back in my early 20s, I used to just get out there and dance all the time. So I was dancing last night, felt great energy was good good and uplifting got to see the moon listen to some um some music with my husband we talked a lot and it was nice oh but i'm also feeling stressed we talked a lot about coronavirus and i'm you know it's a stressful time right now it is stressful absolutely i think people forgot how dangerous it was and then now it hit us all with this second wave and now we're all stressed out because for all those reasons that we were stressed out in the beginning, but now it's worse because we know how the government's going to respond and they're not going to bail us out. They're not going to give us any money. They're not going to maintain the shutdown. So now you have to decide, am I going to leave the house and put myself in danger and my family in danger? Or am I going to lose my job? Or uh, what's going to happen if I don't send my kids to school this fall? You know? Yeah. I was just, you know, Per our conversation yesterday, we were also talking about this, and it got me thinking, okay, what do I do if they don't shut down the schools? Because I know in California, they've shut down the schools mm-hmm. for the entire fall for um, K through 12. And also, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, they did they last year, but the they're, they're talking about doing it in person at my, at my son's school, but go on, go on. Okay, well, in California, all the public schools, it's still going to be online. But in North Carolina, um, they they haven't really said yet, but it sounds like they want to do some kind of like limited schedule where you're only there for half a day or you do three days a week. But I don't even like to leave the house to go to the grocery store. And I am kind of freaking out because, mm-hmm. you know, I have my own classes. <sighs> All right. So. Yeah, let's, let's breathe for a second because I get <laughs> so easily freaked out by it. I mean, it's really traumatic. It's really traumatic. And it's like this is 
a moment in history that is like calling us to like rise to the challenge as a, as a society but also as a species like not all of us are going to make it not all of us have made it through this it's there's i don't know millions of deaths worldwide right now and this is i don't think it's the second wave i think it's still the first wave um right. we're just our response to it has just been so haphazard that it feels like a second wave <laughs> and it's like well oh, the curve had started to go down which yeah. is why a lot of states didn't believe that it would affect them because most of the deaths were really happening in new york city and mm-hmm. they're like well that's them mm-hmm. it reminds me of the hiv outbreak mm-hmm. in the eighth when people were like oh that just affects you know that community mm-hmm. uh, and it can't affect us and so they they didn't take precautions mm-hmm. and it's the same thing here where they think well oh it's only liberal you know highly populated dense urban areas we're mm-hmm. fine let's go have a spring break kegger or it was we, like oh it's only work. only people who are older or with health conditions yeah. but yeah. i keep reading stories where people are like not old and don't have health conditions and you know get it and die the next day like as soon as they find out they have it they're like dead the next day and so which is I'm, why i don't want to leave the house right I don't want to leave the house. It's making me really, really, really nervous, very anxious. And so I'm like, I have to work extra hard to not be scared. Because I agree. I agree. I think the government kind of like doesn't know what to do. I mean, it, there's really simple do. solutions. They're not willing to do it. Well, yeah. That's what I mean. Like, doesn't know what to do outside of their ability to maintain their like political agenda. Because they don't really have a plan. Like I used to joke that Republicans' healthcare plan is "hurry up and die," and it's like real right now because we got a Republican in the White House, and the only action they want to take is like, "Here's twelve hundred bucks, make it good, bro, <laughs> make it good." Last couple of weeks, the best hurrah, because you're like gonna die. You're gonna die. Box. Okay, like so. I don't know, listeners, if you're aware, but uh, Riri and I are. It, we have, I mean, the, 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 what is it? The title for where we stand politically keeps oh, changing. It's a so I don't know if I should refer to myself as a leftist or right. I refer to myself as a progressive, but we definitely back Bernie Sanders. So we're of that yeah. ilk. Okay. But Men anybody with all, a heart, all day long. anybody but, with a heart will back Bernie Sanders. I mean, you know, no, I don't know. We, we don't want to say that because you you may have been manipulated by whatever information you were given. You didn't understand what mm. Bernie Sanders was trying to do. So I will give you the mm. benefit of the doubt. But what I'm trying to say is yeah. that it's not just the Republicans. It is the Republicans and the Democrats together who have prevented us from having Medicare for all, making mm. sure mm-hmm. every single person in America is covered. Yep. And right now, we really could have used that. I know. Okay? Hindsight. Wait, wait, you know what? This is... <laughs> Cross my mind. It's crazy. Hindsight is twenty twenty. Whoa! Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> it's really how long, how many years have we been trying to get healthcare? I mean, Hillary Clinton, for goodness' sake, when she was, you know, Bill's wife, was trying to get healthcare in the nineties. Happening. Is she still Bill's wife? Well, I mean, that's what her title was. Now she's <laughs> secretary. Ooh, secretary Clinton. You know, gotta give her her dues. But I'm saying, like, back when she was Hillary's boo. Or um, Hillary's Bill's boo. boo. She was Bill Blue, Bill's boo, and she was Bill's ball and chain. But okay, let's well, I re- <laughs> that's how that's how old I am. Even though I was young when it happened, I remember Bill Clinton being our president, and like everyone too. saying, "You get the two for one with Bill and Hillary," because Hillary's whip smart. She had those sexy eyebrows. And what? <laughs> I thought her eyebrows were cool. Like she had this dark eyebrows and this blonde bob. You know, no, I thought no, no, no. It was a strong 90s, look. It was, it was a strong all look. all about the pluck. She did not have the pluck game. Her eyebrows no. were not She pioneered the natural, and it was awesome. No, it was awesome a left one from the 80s. I remember because I had been plugging my eyebrows, and I was like, Hillary, mm-hmm. girl, you need some tweezers. I know. I, I resisted that, and I'm grateful to this day <laughs> yes, for doing that. You, you lucked out. That was mm-hmm. a terrible trend. It was a hard... <laughs> right. Well, it was a good look for certain eye types, but... <laughs> It was hard to live with caterpillar eyebrows for the, you know, nineties, early, 90s. early two thousands. Everyone's like, "Ooh, girl!" <laughs> I was like, in the 
the pre-makeover stage for like 15 years. <laughs> like she's ready for that all that makeover. The glow up. Mm-hmm. Ready for that glow up. But yeah. Well, so, I remember in the 80s um, when Jesse Jackson was running for president and what? the co- coalition. Whoa. Yeah. That yeah. is old. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I was still a bit no you're right you're right I was still baby back then I don't remember it but that's amazing no but so uh, for black people most of us I'm pretty sure we're voting for um Jesse Jackson because he actually did really well and I remember you know our mom and our our grandmother our maternal grandmother we were all kind of like cheering him on but he 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 got a lot of votes but obviously he didn't um win the primaries but he was so successful that they actually had to shift their uh, platform a little bit but jesse voted for bernie they shut down bernie they shut him down like they shut down bernie but jesse endorsed bernie this time wasn't that that? exactly and so what i wanted to talk to you about was about um how the black political class keeps failing the black community and here's an example of that because when jesse jackson came out to support bernie sanders all of the like black politicals on um, the cable news shows were downplaying Jesse Jackson's significance anyway. And mm-hmm. I'm like, what are you talking about? They're digging that dirt. They're digging that dirt yeah. out, Jesse. <laughs> They're trying to like, I don't know, just undermine yeah. his, his. They're diminishing it. Diminishing him. Yes, yeah. I was so hurt. How dare you? I know who. Who the hell is? I mean, I know who James Clyburn <laughs> is, but it's like versus Jesse. I mean, Jesse. Right. Come on, Jesse was like the Michael Jackson of politics for Black people back in the eighties. I do remember that. Him and he his Jerry Curl. One thing he might have said one thing about Barack Obama, and then ever since mm-hmm. that, they're acting like Jesse Jackson hasn't done that much for the Black community. Whereas mm-hmm. now, twenty twenty. Uh, hindsight is twenty twenty. Like Ooh, you were saying, mm-hmm. he might have been on something before, or onto something before the rest of us could see it. And I know. he he was critical of Obama, and and doubted Obama. And at first, I thought, well, maybe you know, they're both like kind of jealous of each other. Maybe Jesse Jeff Jackson wanted to be president, and Obama actually did become president. Mm-hmm. But now we see that Obama did not hold the values that Jesse Jackson held, mm-hmm. and that. Uh, Bernie Sanders held and that he was just um you know a black person but he did not have the black community well I don't I don't want to say he didn't care about the black community but it wasn't his main priority his main priority was maintaining the status quo for corporations and rich people okay that is the issue we I looked it up away from that because I remember it (laughs) and I wanted to know exactly what he said so Jesse Jackson said off air Mm-hmm. It's a hot take that he wanted to cut <laughs> Obama's nuts out and that he was talking down to black people. And I'm like, mm, do maybe. you believe that? I don't know if I even believe it anymore. It, well, they had him on tape. You know yeah. what I mean? He really? said it, cut, it made the comments during a break in filming on Fox and Friends. It was mic'd up. And I mean, maybe that's part of it too. You know, Jesse on Fox <laughs> and Friends. People are like, okay, Jesse, <clears throat> you know, you're reaching out, but you're reaching a little too far. And then he said that he wanted to cut his nuts out so it could just be the audience you know and jesse's a politician so he knows how to like talk to his audience but he's talking down talking down (laughs) to black people uh yeah i mean might have been bad i i I don't crazy stuff when i'm mad right i don't i don't know if obama was talking down to black people i have to say what bothers me about barack obama and maybe this is my own fault is that i expected so much from him he talked a good game girl yeah. he had me on top of a building singing the national anthem <laughs> to a sunburst coming through the clouds like when i was in mm-hmm. uh, so in 2008 i was in sweden mm-hmm. and in sweden it's wintry all the time it's like dark for six months and so like this is in april of 2008 i saw that barack obama video where he's like speaking on a mountaintop and Wyclef Jean turned it into a music video. He's given that speech. And I cried like a baby. You know, I, yeah. wh- high yellow black girl cried <laughs> so hard. And I went you out. You know how we be in our feelings. Light skinned folk be crying. I was up on, the, <laughs> up on the building next to the sauna, just looking at the clouds. And then the sunburst popped through. And I put my hand on my heart and I cried and sang the national anthem. <laughs> 
And so I was like, Barack <laughs> is the one. And he was not the yeah. one. He no. totally was not the one. He's just another one, you know, and that's heartbreaking. And I think a lot of people now, because of the internet and the way they build people up and, you know, they talk all these games, like, we're going to hold you to that. Like, we really needed it. We needed someone to erase Bush 2.0 and all of the, the devastation he did to America's, like, identity and our well-being. Like, he's really, they agitated our well-being, that Bush. He did. And um, Barack was supposed to be that guy who came in and just made it right. And he, like, did a little bit. And I think that's why he got the Nobel Peace Prize as soon as he became president. He got the Nobel Peace Prize before he even did anything. It was hilarious. And just being but president I, was what all he needed to do. You brought up George W. Bush, mm-hmm. which makes me laugh. Because remember when um, Kanye was like, George Bush, Bush doesn't, doesn't care about, care white, about black, black people? Black people. <laughs> ah, I was thinking about that the other day. I well, remember Mike Myers' face. I heard. I heard. Yeah. I, 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 was, I remembered Mike Myers' face more than anything. I thought that was the most beautiful <laughs> moment on That's television. So he just looked around like, like okay, because he's Wayne's World, so he just had that like surprised <laughs> face, like. Oh, oh, oh. That was so good. And Kanye uh, just stared into the camera like, like yes, this needed I want to get that said. Kanye back. I want yeah. that. So you know he's running for president, yes, right? I heard that, yep. Yes, I, yes. I'm happy and for I him. Would, I would vote for him. No, I will not vote for him. If he were 2005 uh, Kanye, 100%. Oh. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, if he you was like uh, Malcolm Ooh. X Kanye, then maybe we, I would. Can we... Can we do a version of QAnon for Kanye? We we'll call it KAnon, and we're like, we play a 4D chess right now. Like he got people thinking, Yayanon. Like he got people thinking he was crazy, and then Donald Trump supported him, and then he elevated his platform with the whites, and then he got all the black votes, and he became president, and he was still just 2005 graduation Kanye. <laughs> he's not serious though because he waited too long so he he's probably not even going to be in the ballot on most states well maybe but he's just trying to make a little money off of it who knows that's what donald trump was trying. trying to maybe take some votes away from biden to well, help maybe. donald trump for the the maybe? people who i don't know but this is what i'm saying like donald trump didn't think he was going to become president his his team all said that they're like we're just trying to turn this into like a tv show and then they actually became president so it's like kanye could pull an upset <laughs> he literally could not he's not on the ballot so if but, you write in a name for a candidate who's not on the ballot mm-hmm. that vote doesn't go towards that candidate it just gets thrown out <gasps> yeah so I've if been i writing were to Bernie write this whole Bernie time Sanders, if you write in bernie sanders and he's, he's not on the on ballot it doesn't go to him it goes it's, it's as if you didn't vote so what that, terrible that is I cannot. This is not it. a democracy. What it's is really happening? Not. Okay, I need to get back down to <laughs> where I was when I was <laughs> sleepy this morning because now I'm all scared and woken <clears throat> and thinking about coronavirus and Kanye being the president and my vote not mattering. Like that's what I mean about 2020. The 2020 vision is a rough, girl. It's a rough. It's been a rough six months. <laughs> well, <clears throat> I do back. have to guard your your mental health, but are you also have to be aware of what's going on you can't disengage because when you don't know what's going on people can lie to you and manipulate you and i feel like i've been manipulated for so long by by people i respected politicians like barack obama and hillary clinton Mm -hmm. i refuse to be in the dark anymore i just want to know what's true that's all yeah well that's where the revolution starts that's why it's not televised like it's that (laughs) you're refusing to be lied to and you're gonna find out the truth yes exactly you it's a dark moment of the soul when you do that because you have to steal yourself in the knowledge that you're on your own like you can form groups with other people but like you start out on your own and it shatters that whole sensibility of like society the the social contract like the government's watching out for you and there's like structures and institutions in place to like help you thrive it's like all that is just an illusion at this point like it fell apart really quickly that's what I'm saying like and so for me it's like I I'm okay you know I'm not like falling apart at the seams but having a near-death experience recently and having this global pandemic taking place and all the people being more careless and callous like I was going into my home birth and just seeing that and then adding to the fact that like 
basically all our institutions are only as good as the people who you know operate them and support them uh we're in trouble <laughs> i'm in trouble <laughs> and i'm nervous and so i need to like find ways to yes engage but engage in a way that i have control over my you know my exposure i guess you know i don't want to get like too wrapped up in it and you know overexposed i just need to know what i need to know to like get through and be prepared for the next what three weeks three days I mean, things change so quickly just the right. next couple of weeks i have food in my fridge you know i'm i'm in a place that seems relatively calm i don't know i feel good though like i said the energy has been really good like personally it's just whenever oh, i think good. about going outside and interacting with people who aren't wearing masks I get very uncomfortable as you should be mm -hmm. I mean like you said uh, the other day wearing a mask doesn't really protect you it protects other people in case you're sick but still I'm you don't know if you're sick so many people walk around asymptomatic just wear a mask please yeah. I was reading about um the black plague and the black death and mm. it's just pandemics are terrible and so yeah. for us to be like flippant about it considering how they wiped out what was it like a third of the population in europe once yeah. this yeah. and this is 2020 this is not the middle ages we can control this if yeah. we try you mm -hmm. know even um shakespeare apparently he was quarantining when he wrote some of his like best plays because they always had like some kind of pandemic going on. Seriously. So, I mean, we need to start maybe <clears throat> bringing this back into the culture. This should be just be part of our culture where okay, well, there's going to be deadly viruses out there and we yeah. haven't figured out how to fix them. So we should adopt wearing masks like they do in um, Asian countries. Just, you know, just wear them all every day. It's just part of normal but everyday life. You know, it's like you said, this isn't the Middle Ages, but, you know, the conservatives are always trying to, you know, bring, make America great again and like, you know, bring it back to the way it used to be. It's like other countries aren't going through it like we are because they're adaptable and are advancing. Even the old world seems to be newer than the new world at this point. It's like the way they can handle crises, crises like Asia. I mean, even New Zealand eradicated it. Like, they figured it out. And, like, we're just like, well, we're just going to let everybody get it. That's the solution to all of these problems. Like you said, it's going to be part of the culture. We're just going to keep getting hit with stuff. And right. I'm like, that's bad odds at this point. Like, <laughs> I don't want to be in the Middle Ages with a, you know, with a group of people, a dominant power structure that doesn't believe in, you know, progress or evolving or being adaptable you know this just can't be sustained like this is not this is not good well, that's why we're trying to get out of here did you oh, did yeah. you end up watching um eurovision no i i saw the the trailer though i made my way over to netflix and i browsed the trailer and i was like it looks cute but i feel like i saw the whole thing on the trailer so now i'm like i don't even need to well you haven't but i won't give it away but mm -hmm. it just makes me want to go to europe so bad it seems like such a nice place and i know mm -hmm. it's not it's just a movie but it makes me want to go to iceland mm -hmm. and makes me want to go to scotland it seems quaint i just really enjoyed that movie so if anybody's bored and needs some like just cotton candy for their brain <laughs> cool it is very cute <laughs> movie and it's on netflix well i mean i'm still looking at jobs in you know uh scandinavia i'm still practicing my scandinavian languages because you never know you never know i love california though i have a hard time leaving i would you can visit <laughs> well what i like to call it is an extended vacation we're going on a trip <laughs> and we will be back someday when uh, the pandemic's not... over we'll be right back. <laughs> we're gonna do what Shakespeare does and I'm just gonna quarantine in like the rich neighborhoods of <laughs> because that's what you know that's what that's what this first wave shutdown was all about like the people with money started securing themselves and however they could do that whoever had a boat got on it whoever had a mansion went there they got all their workers and they got all their food and their subscriptions and they're like all right let it happen rip it open it up see what happens and I'm doing the same thing, and I'm like, oh. I don't know how long I could last like this. 
Have you thought about watching some movies that would distract you? I've been watching Queer Eye, but I've been listening to your uh, to the Vanishing Twin audiobook too. Oh, I don't know. I well, haven't been watching the news as much. I've been let, letting let, my kids distract me, but when I have a chance, I listen to the audiobook, The Vanishing let's Twin. Let's talk about the audiobook when you're done with it. Oh, I have thoughts. I want to talk gonna about be one of those books that you never finish. I feel like it's getting, I'm, I think I'm on chapter 13 right now, and I feel like it's getting that way. I'm like, the story actually got a lot better than okay. I thought it was going to, and I'm like, this is actually a pretty good story. Like, I feel like Britt Bennett, Britt Bennett is a better writer than I thought she was when I first started reading. Like, she really wait, wait, wait. Okay, 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 okay. So, listeners, here's what we're going to do. Next week, we're going to discuss this book, and there will be spoilers. So, just oh. emotionally prepare yourself. But we're not going to, like... Thank you Since for we that. didn't warn you ahead of time, we're not really going to go into the plot yet. And plus, you haven't finished it. But let's, let's have a discussion if you're okay. interested in our book review. And okay. Yeah, support fellow Black authors. And sorry about the spoilers, because it's going to be all of them. <laughs> yes. But I did think, and I could probably say this without spoiling anything, the idea of crossing over is, like, fantastical. And I realized a lot of what she was writing was metaphor. And I was like, when it, you look at it metaphorically, I actually liked it. She's doing this kind of, like, a lot of people <clears throat> um, are a foil to the idea of, like, passing or crossing over like not just passing but like crossing over completely and the idea that we all have to kind of cross over just to exist in society but there's always that uh other person and in the case of the main characters like the twins are like they're the mirror of each other the foil but like there's other characters that aren't twins that have second lives you know what i mean like they've transitioned into some other life where they pretend to be someone else. And that seems to be like the theme is like pretending to be someone else or transitioning to someone else or like kind of becoming someone else. And I thought that was kind of cool. Like it's, it's an interesting concept. So I'd love to talk about that one more. Okay, okay. Pull up our Google Doc real quick because okay. I feel like this has to do with Sammy Sosa and all of the other, not all of, but okay. In the black community, we have issues thanks to white people and colonialism and the preference for light-skinned people over dark-skinned people and just the horrible treatment by white people of black people of all different colors and so it's just made um, us a little crazy <laughs> and so and, and I think that that's kind of what Britt Bennett explores in her book is like how if white is considered to be the ideal how does that affect people who are not white well, it's not just the concept in a book, okay? So in the Black community, a lot of people actually bleach their skin. And since it's kind of, we don't talk about it. Like, if you get breast implants, you're not going to be like, look at my new boobs. You know, you just show up and people are like, something's different. But you don't talk about it. You don't acknowledge it, right? Mm -hmm. so, <clears throat> so a lot of um, darker-skinned Black people actually bleach their skin mm -hmm. because they think that, I mean, I don't know what they think because I'm a light-skinned person, but I can only imagine that they think that maybe they don't want to be dark anymore. Or So did you look at the, the picture of Sammy Sosa? Okay. Sammy Sosa was a baseball player. He's very famous, very successful. <laughs> and no, but he, I, I just passed you can't a picture see it? of Eurovision with <laughs> the tagline underneath, white boys who love sisters. <laughs> Okay. I want to talk about Asian, what? but we'll talk about that next. Okay. Uh oh, I just saw it. Oh my god. No. Oh my gosh, Sammy Sosa, what are you doing? Is that Sammy? I would never yes. know. Look at the before and after. I'm and blown away. So my question is, like, is this? Because hmm. I can't relate. I don't understand what's going on. Is it self hatred? Did he have or, green eyes the whole time, or is that just no? A body he's double? wearing contacts. So oh. if you if you have never seen Sammy Sosa, he was a, a handsome, dark skinned mm -hmm. black man from the Dominican Republic, Dominican. I believe. Yeah, I and that so feeling. he has bleached his skin several shades lighter. So he might be as light as me by now. He wears green contacts. He has put a perm in his hair. So he looks like a completely different person. And he's not mm. the only person who's done this. Michael Jackson, 
mm-hmm. is a well-documented person who went from very dark skin to very light skin. He had but multiple surgeries on his nose. And then he told everybody that he had vitiligo, which yeah. we all know he did not have vitiligo. But he also but did have burns from that Pepsi accident. on the back of his head. In the 80s. Well, how did that migrate all the way down to his fingertips? But maybe he, no, I'm not saying it, the burns did, but maybe he was just like, I want to lighten the scars because he just couldn't bear to look at his beautiful, silky black skin with all these disastrous okay. scars. I, I want to give him the benefit should, of the doubt. But with Sammy. not give them the benefit of the doubt because I don't wanna, we know what's going on. I don't know. their skin because. I feel like Michael's a different case, but Sammy and then Azalea Banks did the same thing as she lightened her skin. And I don't I think know, she I, went as light as Sammy Sosa. Definitely not. <laughs> definitely not sammy sosa doesn't even look like sammy sosa. i don't even but you know what the weird thing is and i don't know he doesn't you can look, see how this is tra- transitioning trying to be something he doesn't, else but he doesn't look bad you know michael jackson <laughs> looked pretty bad he does not look bad he looks like but this, I not guess, the this issue. is what dominicans look like like light-skinned dominicans he's like i'm gonna be a light-skinned dominican girl i but got that's this. the issue why do you think that being a light-skinned Dominican versus being a dark-skinned Dominican is somehow better? Especially when you're Sammy Sosa. Right. It must and be. So it must be it if is, you could be a handsome black person and you're like, I'd still rather be a weird-looking white guy because it's better. Well, I mean, it just makes me so sad. And so this is related to the book because I do feel like one of the characters made this choice. And mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And I just, I feel so sad well i I wish that people could accept how they are and love themselves Mm -hmm. and not care what anybody else thinks but it's just this internalized racism Mm -hmm. that that is so prevalent in the black community it makes me so sad well i I agree and i I see that i see that happening into a lot of different characters and i thought it was really interesting how you know she picks different communities to like demonstrate that but i think our society is so like caught up on image that like that everybody does that and it's like how yeah yeah it's like you just love yourself and be however you are but it's like even you know you're like plucking your eyebrows in the 90s that stuff hurt but we did it because we wanted to be attractive and whatever was attractive at the time like it's it's it seems like i did it before i was too young to understand the implications of what i was doing so you know sometimes like just do what everybody does but like even straightening your hair or dyeing your hair or like it takes a lot of effort to like look good and isn't that part of self-expression like straightening my hair and dyeing my hair is not because i think i look better with straight hair because i don't but it's because i just wanted to look different it's the same thing as like changing your earrings it's an accessory a conversation that a lot of black people had like during the kind of I don't want to call it the hotep movement but like people started being more about their afrocentrism uh centrism they're like wearing naturals and dashikis and stuff like that it's like straightening your hair was seen as like trying to be white or you know at least being more european looking and then the same thing with coloring it like we dye our hair blonde you know, I dye my hair blonde pretty regularly, and it's just like my dark hair. My dark hair actually makes me look lighter, and that's why I like my hair blonde. But mm-hmm. I know as a child, our mother dyed our hair like lighter colors, and I don't know, you know, if that was a deference to you know blonde Scandinavian-looking straight-haired white people, and that's just what the culture saw as beautiful, especially back in the '80s, '80s and '90s. Like that's what people did. But I, I'm not saying my mom or our mom wanted to like be white but I um, remember her story saying that she thought she was white until she found out she wasn't white you know she was just like we need to go into depth on how whiteness has affected the psyche of black people but before we do that <laughs> but I, I don't feel um very I don't feel qualified to actually talk about it though you know I don't have the words to describe or explain I could just talk about what I've observed but I don't even know why why are people so well dissatisfied with themselves it's the image that gets portrayed like even okay on Netflix you watch this Madam CJ Walker story Mm -hmm. and her husband CJ Walker um is an artist like for advertisements and he draws what he calls the Walker girl which is like a light-skinned black woman riding a bike and so it's like they didn't even have they had movies but you know like they didn't their media advertisement 
was like hand-drawn stuff, you know? And even then it was like white women, light-skinned women were the ideal. And so it's like, everybody wants to look like how, what they see. So when I, I can't remember who said this, but she was like, you can't see it until you, you can't be it until you see it. And so it's like, for so long, everybody only saw beautiful white women or beautiful light-skinned women. And that's why people want to be like that. But the book, and I, I don't know if we're talking about it now, is interesting <laughs> way where it's like, when you actually at- ascend to being white, your life is so much better. And that's the heartbreaking thing. Like when you looked at two in contrast, like one life was amazing and the financial aspect and like, but it was like horrifying and, and really constricting and smothering and like the personal expression. And then the other one, it's like just dire poverty and like no opportunities because that's just the nature of not being white. And so going back to our mom, I felt the same way. And like, we grew up in a neighborhood that was like all white and it was basically the boonies. No, was, it was not all white. Don't be a racist. Well, I'm not being those not, little brown um, neighbors that we okay, went to. I was we were, usually the only black person in my class. So yes, but there were a lot of Latinos. That's that when, I say, with, when I say my best friend was Palestinian. There was some Dominicans who when lived I say like all, four houses away. When I say all white, I mean like most people are white. And one person out of a group of 35 people is not a lot of people. And so, yeah, we made friends with yeah, the people because so. we're like, hello. <laughs> I literally saw past all the white people to the other black person. I was like, hey, guys. Exactly. They just like <laughs> parted like the Red Sea. You're like, hello, brown person. You stand up to me. Hello. It's like kind of went in the opposite direction. But the point is like, I thought I was white the whole time too. And I was talking about this last night. The benefits afforded to me because I grew up in that neighborhood. I knew all the police officers who lived there, which many did on our street and were like the parents of our friends. And so when I was like in my shenanigans and clear, I could do it in clear view of everyone, like on the sidewalk, drinking liquor or like smoking weed or something. And the police would drive by and yell my name, uh, Riri, (laughs) Riri, (laughs) get in the house. What are you doing? And I'm like, that's, my husband was like, that's what being white is. You know what I mean? You get the benefit of the doubt. Nobody is like trying to take you down a peg per se. They like see you as a human being and they want to help you. And well, we were afforded that for so long, especially me. And I thought I was white until I started getting called nigger until I started getting older. And my mom told us, you know, my mom told me, our mom told me that like I'm not white and that I'll never be white and it's like all of these race issues started to in, in, penetrate my consciousness and that's where it's like the crossing, the crossing over becomes fantasy because you can't even if nobody knows it but you you can't fully be uh white you can't fully forget like what you've gone through what your family's gone through and like your history and so it haunts you because you have to pretend in a way you have to cross over every single time you interact with white people or every time you're in society. If you want to be liked and cared for and treated well, you have to pretend to be white in a lot of ways. Well, yes, that's true. It's called code switching, but I feel yeah, my um, experience was a little different because <laughs> I always thought I was black. And it wasn't until I was like, yeah, I'm black. I'm mixed and black. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until I got out of our little protective environment that people were like, uh, you're not black. You're clearly white. And I'm like, what? I was raised by a black woman. My mm-hmm. whole family is black. What are you talking about? So it's interesting that you thought you were white when I thought I was black. But Well, that anyways. is interesting. That's kind of like <laughs> the book in a lot of ways, but like in a different way. But yeah, it's like, I think I just, I'd never thought about it, I think is the point. Like, I yeah. just thought about like it. Like, white is default, and you're yeah, like, well, I'm part exactly. of the default group. And but it's, it's interesting what you say about cops, because, okay, since you have, you're so close in proximity to cops, um, what do you think about the abolish the police versus defund the police? Hmm. Especially since you see everything that's been happening to, um, mm-hmm. you know, people of our community, but also the Latino community, and the fact that you actually know them, and mm-hmm. you have a good relationship with them. What you got to say about that? Well, I actually think, just like racism, the current policing 
paradigm is hurting police officers. And I think we should defund it. I think it, more than defund it, I think we should abolish it as we know it and reinvent it to be more community based. Like I was saying this, here's my idea. I don't know. I haven't, I haven't, well, here's my idea. I haven't read any other ideas on the subject. So this is just me coming off the cuff of what I think well, should that's happen. That's what we want, the hot takes. Here I come. Got to say. Let okay. me solve that problem for you. Okay, so first, <laughs> just fire all the cops the way it is yeah. right now. Wait, and then, but what would happen to the cops that are, you know, in your circle? Okay, though? I'm going to get to that. Them? I'm going to okay. get to that. I'm going to get to that. Then hire the police officers who don't have any record of, you know, civil complaints or of like abuse, uh, I don't know, use of force complaints, like rehire them and then encourage them to get an advanced degree, give them training in like social welfare, and then finally pay them more and then hire less. You know what I mean? Like we don't need more. We need like better quality, you know, quality over okay. quantity. So it's like take the ones who have the experience and then put them in their own neighborhoods. If they live okay, in Huntington so Beach, put them in Huntington Beach. If they live in South Central, put them in South Central because we need the community to start policing But they would themselves. all live there because nobody can afford to live in Beverly Hills, but, but that's, that's the where point. they want the cops to protect their- But that's their, the point. That's, that's the point. Possible. They're going to have to start paying the police to live in their own community. Oh, okay. Now, hold on, so, you let me finish? Oh, okay. My solution's okay. still going. And then <laughs> make them beholden to like a city council, you know what I mean? Like, they're not a city council, but like a community group. So it's like, they have yeah. to meet with the community, talk to the community on a regular basis. It's kind of like the mailman. The police should be as familiar with the neighborhood as the mailman is. Mailman know all my business. He comes through, he sees me, I wave at him, he ignores me, but it doesn't matter because he looks at my mail, he knows when my mail's in my mailbox, he knows all the things that are happening to me. And if the mailman can do it, then there should be a police officer on a beat who knows every single person on the street, has met them, has talked to them. So when something happens, we can have restorative justice and instead of criminal justice, because the things that are happening to people, you know, are happening for a myriad of reasons. And the more we try to eliminate people from their community, the more damage it does to the community. And so I'm like, get rid of the cops the way that it is hire the good ones back or hire college educated people who want to be more like social workers and then have them come into the community so they can be accountable to us and familiar with us and work with us. And we don't have to be afraid. It's not supposed to be your own private security force. Let's just say it that way. It's not that. It's supposed to be someone who will come to your aid when you need it. Well, okay. I don't really know what restorative justice means like people use that word but specifically can you define that well for me restorative justice means that like the community finds a solution to uh fix the loss or you know the damage of what their community or their property or their family and so instead of going to jail like let's say if someone robbed you it's like they would have to do some sort of service or um, at least kind of meet with you and kind of work out a solution. You could have like a mediator or whatever, or like it's a community comes together and figures out like the best way for this person to kind of repay the other person and give them restitution as well as like work it off, but like not putting them into the legal system and kind of bringing them back into the community. Well, okay, so let me tell you, like, where, this is my hot take, and it's not fully formed yet, but I, I just want to think about it, because my instinct is, no one should have that much power, no one should be able to decide whether it's basically they went to mob justice. School. no one, whether they went to school and had a degree in sociology, it still doesn't matter, no one should have the power to decide if you live or die, because mm. these police are committing extrajudicial ki killing. Mm -hmm. If someone, let's say, um, fell asleep in their car in a Wendy's drive-thru and mm -hmm. they ran away, first of all, what crime did they commit that mm -hmm. they deserve to be executed? And, you know, part of, I think it was um, habe the writ of habeas corpus says that everybody deserves their, their day in court. Well, mm -hmm. I think that that's what's happening to the police are um, depriving people of their day in court. If, if I committed a crime, fine. Let me go through the justice system 
let the rule of law, you know, play out. But black people and brown people are being denied their their day in court because they're being killed by the police who just get to be the judge and jury. And another thing is a lot of these people are not good people. And so when we talk about abolish the police or defund the police, I don't know that we can reintroduce them in a kinder, gentler form. No one should have the power to kill you and, and execute you without going to court and proving that you deserve it and letting a jury of your peers decide. So, but I also don't really understand how we would be able to protect vulnerable people from maybe rapists and murderers. But a lot of the arguments that people make about abolish the police is that they don't do their job finding murderers and, and rapists. Most yeah. of the rape kits don't even go, get looked at. So, I mean, I guess I can't imagine a society without police, but I do know that they're not working. And my instinct is you, just get rid of them. Honestly, I don't think that by, by putting in good cops, you'll solve the problem because good cops, cops will eventually become bad cops because they, they're humans and, and power corrupts. And even the, the ones in your family who are nice people probably and who love you, probably either they've turned a blind eye to misconduct of their peers or they do it themselves and come home and smile in your face you know and that that just freaks me out the police remind me of the the jailers at Auschwitz there's this picture of Mm. these women and men smiling and and having a good time you know they're just taking Mm -hmm. a work photo right they see this as their job they don't see the moral um just (laughs) there's a word for the the complete evil of their job and so any cop that sees a um their their fellow cop do something wrong and doesn't report it is just as bad personally and and i don't know if you've heard of christopher dorner i was just gonna say that but yeah yeah so he was actually a cop and he tried to do the right thing and report his his um partner for misconduct and they did him so dirty and they drove him crazy he went on a shooting rampage and and killed innocent people right and the point is i don't see how we could reform the system at all but i also can't imagine what it would be like without the cops because people do things to each other and i don't know how we would be able to hold them accountable either if we didn't have someone with some kind of force it's it's a really complicated issue and i haven't heard anybody especially on the left because i'm a leftist right I all cops all cops are bastards in my opinion. (laughs) But I haven't seen I really haven't heard how do we make have a better system. This restorative justice is like the honor system where you expect the the community to come to your aid and and help you, but the community does not care about you. Whether we're talking about micro communities, small communities, just a neighborhood, just a block. Not everybody on that block cares about you enough to make sure see that you have justice. And also, I don't want everybody in my business, right? I don't want people to like come into my house and say, well, you know, I need to be aware of what's going on in your, your family. I don't want that. I just want to live my life in peace. And, and I want to be protected from people who want to hurt me. Um, and I also don't want to get shot by the cops because they say I was resisting arrest, you know? And I don't know what the right or what the, the way forward is, but it does seem like in, in like you were saying, Scandinavian countries, they don't seem to have these problems. And I, I don't understand exactly why, but that's the system I'd like to get to where if we did have cops, we could trust them, you know? Well, I used to say this to my, our, I used to say this to our aunt about legalizing marijuana when she, when it was on the bill, on the ballot and she was worried. She's like, what if people are going to be driving around smoking weed in their cars? And I'm like, they already are. They already are. <laughs> and so basically, we're just formalizing it and making it okay. Well, it's not okay. It's still considered a DUI. But the yeah, point is, people already doing it. So it's like you don't, you, to imagine, you don't have to try to imagine what the world would be like without cops because we pretty much already live there because cops don't help us. You right. know, they help businesses protect their stores and they help politicians shut down protests and they don't actually do policing. So that's why it's hard to imagine what it'd be like because we've never seen it before. But, you know, as when I lived in Sweden, uh, 
I never saw the police. <laughs> I never <laughs> saw them anywhere. I didn't, I don't think people called them because I don't think the police were designed for that. I do also remember like any kind of civil service, which I would consider policing to be a civil service. These people did not need that job. You know, they had the social safety net necessary. Right. They could put a job at any time and not even worry about it. And so you couldn't, they weren't pressed. You know what I mean? They weren't, they weren't like the mail system. The, the post office was only open from 11 to 1. And sometimes <laughs> they didn't even show up. You're just like standing outside trying to get some stamps. And they're like, yeah. I'm not coming in today. And you're like, you're the post office. You need to come in. And I'm like, I don't need to. I don't need this job. They're like irritated. The customer service was bad. Like it was not, you could tell that like civil that service. Aspects. Well, civil service was voluntary. That's what I used to say. I'm just like, they're volunteering at this place and they don't even want to really be there. So it's like with police, I feel like it's the same kind of civil service. They don't really want to do it a lot of the times, but they're like obligated to do it because the economy is so bad as it is, that this is one of the last few really good jobs for someone who's not like an yeah. intellectual, you know? It's like you went in the military and you got out and they're like, oh, here's the GI Bill, do something with it. You're like, I don't, I don't wanna go to school. I just wanna keep getting paid good. And it's like, they go to these jobs because it's same kind of physical job, same kind of um, job duties that they're used to being in the military and so but i i knew i know a guy who wanted to be an emt and couldn't become one because i guess they had too many i don't know why he couldn't become one but he trained he took the test he was like really good and just wanted to help people and ended up becoming lapd and i think it's really affected his mental health because he's a really great person and really cares about the people but he like that he serves, you know, I've talked to him many times about like the stories and it's like, he knows the people's names, the crack house. He's always loving to like roll over and like is really kind to them and cares about their well being. But now is like also having to confront the culture at the police station and he's just trying to survive it. And you can tell it's breaking him down. And it's he making, needs to quit. He's making him do things that I think are starting to, you know, you need corrode, to quit, friend. corroding him. But like I said, like how is someone living in LA supposed to pay their bills so, okay, so with I no real education outside of, of the, we've got to the crux of the issue then yeah this is more about poverty this yeah. is more about late stage capitalism and how to control the hungry underpaid baby homeless the rabble and they so, all they, they want this yeah. force to be population control they don't want them to be a police yeah. force and that's right. why you don't see it in other countries because they don't have those problems um, in that way, like they see their police as a civil service. They pay them well, they pay, they take care of everybody. So it's like a lot of people aren't wiling out. They don't need to be, even if you're on drugs, you know, if you have a drug problem, they take care of you. They don't cast you to the wind and make you like right. under a bridge. They actually care for you. So that's I think I, I just think. read that like Finland cured homelessness by taking everybody off the street and just putting them in an apartment with no... <laughs> like means testing and they just solved it just like that and yeah. they don't have a bigger economy than us they Definitely it's not, not like they have more money than us but they did it well, california's so, trying to do the same thing with the hotel rooms gavin newsom oh good got, like secured all this hotel rooms and just put homeless people in it and they're like this is the solution that we're gonna find like they're empty rooms we can pay for them like let's just put them in the rooms but did that doesn't address that though or yeah, are they just they, talking about it they did it and now they're trying to figure out what they're going to do going forward because people may not have the appetite forever or you know hotel owners might not have the op appetite forever to be uh, a um, outpost for the homeless because th there's more issues than just housing that right. go into homelessness and it doesn't surprise me that Finland can fix that problem because it's like if you're just unhoused we can fix that if you have mental illness issues or you know just you're out of there's something wrong, you know, you need support in some other way. It's like, we don't have those systems that are universal in our country, but in Finland are way more like maternity care, uh, health care, dental care for God's sakes, but paid leaves, disability, like all kinds of stuff they're taken care of out there and education. Even their jail system is nicer. Like their jail is more of like a meditation retreat for us. Like we <laughs> pay thousands of dollars to go to their jail. They got electric guitars in there. They like, I mean, how do you know this? Dude, you there's a documentary on Swedish jails <laughs> that will just break your heart. Oh, wow. People. 
so basically to sum up um we need to move to <laughs> finland or sweden where their citizens are cared for because obviously the united states does not see us as valuable we're just meat for the grinder for the grist mill mm-hmm. okay i see now okay okay so here we go we're gonna end it right now we're going to bring this energy back down to a positive place and we're going to take a deep breath and we're going to breathe in the new day and we're going to breathe out love and compassion for everything and everyone around us we're going to set our intentions to doing positive work and loving ourselves and supporting each other i love you star child it was great talking to you It was great talking to you, too. To all our listeners, thank you so much for listening. Please tune in next week. Hit that like button and subscribe. That's right. What, what? All right. See you next week. I love you. Okay.